0: Objects, said philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, should not touch because they are not alive. You use them, put them back in place, you live among them, they are useful, nothing more. But they touch me, it's unbearable. I'm afraid of being in contact with them as though they were living beasts. After using my mum's old Tupperware containers as grief therapy after she passed away a few years ago, I became fascinated at how and why such a simple piece of plastic could hold so much emotion for me. How could these objects touch me so deeply? So I became overtaken with wonder at how my use of objects owned, used, and cherished by her could be so powerful. And therapeutic. Why do we invest so much in things? How could a basic, empty plastic container, a mere tool, make us so happy? And surely, in a world crowded with waste, disposability, materialism and hyper-consumerism, investing meaning in objects, in stuff, is part of the problem. And Tupperware, I mean, it's just an empty plastic container bound for landfill, right? Or is it a container of fascinating intergenerational stories? Well, I'm on the road to discovering the answers to these questions, plus a whole world of stories about us. Women, men, people, children, community, food, family, friendship, empowerment, and more. So Sartre, it seems, was onto something. Objects just aren't objects. My name is Megan Spencer, and this is Auspicious Plastic, a podcast. Can we
1: just jump in? yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Chris Waite is a meditation teacher with an organisation called Breathworks in the UK. He's also a medical doctor, a ukulele teacher and he's in the process of finishing off a degree in music composition. Chris worked with the Royal Flying Doctor Service in Australia and as a GP for many years until a back injury forced him to slow down and to reassess his life. Chris and I met when I enrolled in Breathworks Teacher Training. It's a program which helps people deal with chronic pain and taking better care of themselves. And as you'll hear, Chris himself has been on a transformational journey over the last few years, which has included some very special, precious objects.
1: So, uh, well, I studied medicine at university, then embarked on a 20-year career in general practice, which took me to all parts of Australia, uh, not all parts, to lots of places in Australia, and ended up moving to the country and working as a rural GP for a lot of that time. And then several years ago, I stopped being a GP because of my own health issues. But over that last few years of general practice, I'd started a music degree. And so the music started flourishing, actually, as I was giving up general practice I'm sitting here with my latest score to show yeah. you <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah just that,
0: so. back you, you said that your passion for music started taking over as you were pulling back from being a GP is that because you were pulling back and you had more time or did you find it was sort of like something growing inside of you and it organically pushed it over
1: I think it was there I started this degree a few years before I had to stop general practice I've played piano since I was six years old, seven years old, um, and put it on hold for a lot of medical school. But it was always there, and I think there was an opportunity for me to become more involved with music, but also I needed something to keep me intellectually engaged with something because I was no longer problem-solving at work. Um, so the music degree uh, certainly kept me has kept me uh, uh, engaged with with study and with learning and, uh, Immersed. and yeah. so this
0: is all a bit of a preamble to your precious object or objects plural that we're going to talk about today so what's the precious object first of all that you brought in with you today
1: so the precious object that i Brought in with me today. There's a ukulele here. Uh, There's a precious object that I couldn't bring because it's too heavy. That's my oh, piano. Precious. <laughs> that's, that's my piano that's sitting at home. Uh, that's a very precious object. And uh, I just happened to pick up. Was sitting in the back of my car was my latest music score, which is a big project that's about to happen in about a month's time.
0: Well, let's let's call this your third precious object, and let's let's start backwards. Let's start at the end and talk about this first. So what I'm holding in front of me is a big, yes. large A3 spiral bound document and it's got on the front that's where light enters you so that's the name of your score that you've written that's contained in this bound object here Maybe you could tell me a bit about that. There's quite a few instruments involved in this score too. Yeah,
1: so part of my studies, uh, I spent a year learning to orchestrate for Symphony Orchestra. Uh, So this piece is orchestrated for a full symphony orchestra. We've got a, a community orchestra that meets once a year in Mount Gambier. Um, we have a 10-week rehearsal season and uh, this has not been played before, this particular version of it. And what's happened with this piece is I've orchestrated it and a woman from uh, Hamilton in Victoria has put together a slideshow of local photographer's Aurora Australis photos. So there's going to be all of these slides of the, of the southern lights flashed at the back of the orchestra while the orchestra is playing a piece underneath in the dark. The, that's Where Light Enters You uh, is sort of an adaption of uh, a Rumi poem, the end of a Rumi poem, Childhood Friends. And for me, it's all about, you know, the wounds are where the light enters you. So, you know, it's, it's our. Where our suffering is is where our greatest ability to grow and to heal is. And that's what the piece is about. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also inspired through my love of astrophotography. So I'll spend many hours when the weather and the conditions are right and the sun has set off a solar flare a few days beforehand. I'll spend many hours at night time on the beach at Beachport where I live, facing south over the Southern Ocean with my camera pointed to the sky trying to capture my best shot of the aurora Australis. And some of those nights when you're standing out there all alone on the beach in the cold uh, with the aurora Australis just dancing um, in the distance, it doesn't dance above us like it does in the north, but dancing in the distance, there are moments of pure joy. Yeah, that is where the light is you know, entering the earth. So there's these sort of parallels between the, the light, the aurora getting in through the cracks in the, in the earth's magnetic field, um, the light getting into us healing us it all sort of came together in my mind um, and resulted in this piece of music
0: so when you were writing this score Chris could you kind of somehow replicate and translate into the notes the feeling that you had when you were standing on the beach watching those lights dancing in the distance
1: that was the idea yeah yeah so i'd have this theme just going through my head it's a really basic theme, and then the challenge was to make that theme interesting but i also set myself another challenge i was writing on piano um, and i set myself another challenge to write without using any black notes that was my challenge and i did stray and use some black notes in one section
0: what's a black note for those of Uh, us who are not musically inclined
1: you've got all the white notes and then you've got pairs and and triplets of black notes so the black yeah. keys the yeah. black keys. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so well,
0: what does that do to us to the sound of something mm-hmm. it's interesting
1: because it limits what you can do because you're taking out seven notes out of your scale um, and so what it did is it meant that I had to move into different keys and to make it interesting I really had to think about where it was going and and uh, and in the orchestration add extra texture so that it felt like it wasn't just the same white notes being played over and over and over again, yeah.
0: So in a way, you set yourself limitations in order to be more creative? Mm.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Just on this idea that's where light enters you and and also healing and you were talking before about where our wounds are, where we suffer is actually where we can grow. Um, Is this a big part of of who you are since you've been dealing with your health issues? Is it okay to talk about your health issues? Maybe you could maybe tell us a little bit about what you've dealt with since you gave up being a GP.
1: Back in 2011 I was diagnosed with a cyst pushing against my spinal cord which has caused chronic back pain and sciatica and so that's what I've been dealing with physically there's been a lot of emotional stuff come along for the ride with that I mean I was a solo GP in a small town uh, running a successful practice in a period of growth uh, and within 12 months I had to give that all up but what did come out of that was going to see some health professionals and um, being told that I should learn to be mindful so if you had asked me 10 years ago did I think I'd be teaching ukulele and teaching piano and writing pieces for symphony orchestras and teaching meditation and meditating, even, uh, I would have probably said, what? No, I've got, I'm too busy seeing patients to do any of that. Yes, it's certainly been a huge change in life. has been a very positive change. A tuneless
0: tune. So who told you to pick up a ukulele?
1: <laughs> there is one sort of cafe town that we live. So I walked into the cafe and uh, Irene, who is the matriarch of our community ukulele group, was in the cafe having a coffee and she said you should come along to our ukulele group on Thursday morning. She lent me a ukulele and I went along and learnt how to strum C and A minor and F and G seven. And before I knew it I was the musical director of the of the Beachport ukulele group, the Bugs. And then I said to everyone, why don't we do a Beatles concert? they all looked at me it's probably about 15 people in our ukulele group Um, and some of them are musicians and some of them aren't musicians or are musicians but without formal training and so they all said yeah let's do it and we put on a Beatles show that went for about two hours I think in the local hall and sold it out and then we put on another show. And that's where the ukulele thing sort of started. And then I'm just sort of on a mission now to, you know, play 80s music on the ukulele. So our ukulele group has progressed from playing songs out of the ukulele songbook into playing songs from the 80s that I arrange.
0: flock of seagulls in there by any chance? Not yet,
1: Not yet. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, and maybe late 70s. I and mean, we're planning an ABBA show later this year. Mm. And I've got a side project going called the Eucharhythmics. Um <laughs> So, you know, there's, you know, there's lots of, lots of opportunities. Yeah, yeah.
0: My name's Megan Spencer and you're listening to Auspicious Plastic. It's a podcast about precious objects and the stories behind them. Today my guest is Dr Chris Waite, a GP, music teacher and a passionate ukulele player from South Australia. What do you like about the ukulele, your precious object, your uke that you never thought you were going to play?
1: So I think think there's also a larger question there, which is what I like about music. Yeah. So I think what can happen when I'm playing music is that I can be pain free. So when I'm deeply absorbed with arranging music or performing music or strumming along in our Thursday morning strum alongs and rehearsals, is it that... That pretty much happens with me so concentrated on what's going on that the pain uh, the back pain fades into the background so music has been a really useful tool to manage pain for the last several years
0: and did you sing before were you a singer when you were doing music in your youth no but you 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 sing now
1: Uh, i've been forced to sing (laughs) what's
0: that like for you
1: you singers so there is no professional singers in our group but a few of us have sort of taken lead roles yeah it was challenging at first because I'm I'm not a singer, I'm a pianist and now a ukuleleist. I'm not a singer, but I do my best and just have fun, yeah.
0: So has finding this love for music and, you know, this love for the uke and you've clearly had a long-standing love for the piano, which we will get to more in a minute, but have you found that a new Chris has emerged?
1: Yeah, perhaps the Chris that was put on hold through medical school and for a majority of my medical career Um, because the other thing that's come out of ukulele playing is uh, and I think a lot of ukulele groups would say this is that there's a real sense of community develops um, through regular meetings and performances and strumming and singing together and there's the local community uh, in Beachport but then there's our connections with other groups in the area and we come up to Adelaide once a year to perform at the Adelaide ukulele picnic in december so there's those connections that are forming and in november last year i started studying ukulele teaching officially so that i could do it properly with uh, james hill from canada so i'm now connecting with other australians uh, up the east coast and ukulele teachers in new zealand so that you know i'm connecting even further with with other ukulele players in the world and it's there's just this sense of all wanting to help each other to either be better teachers or better performers or just in a sense that it's okay to share your music you're not doing this alone
0: let's get on to your big precious object the one that if you could have you would have thrown in the back of your car and brought here to this interview today (laughs) because when i first asked you to do this interview i saw your eyes light up when you started talking about your piano And I suspect there's a love for that object there. Tell me more about that.
1: So, it was before I started getting back pain. And I know that because if it had been after when I got back pain, I never would have been able to afford to do it. One night I was watching TV and an ad came on to say that the local music store in Mount Gambier, which is 90 kilometers away, was uh, having an instrument sale. So I thought, I don't know why, I thought, I'll go in and have a look. And the guy who ran the store at the time was playing some pianos. He said, "Oh, you don't you don't want to look at these? You want to go to our Adelaide showroom and have a look at the Bosendorfers." I had played a Bosendorfer at a neighbour next to Mum and Dad's years ago. So I did. I went to the shop in Adelaide and and uh, played it, and then went and played another piano and went back. And, oh, I think I need one of these need, <laughs> need. <laughs> this was a need it needed to be fulfilled and so i i did so I, I mortgaged my unit that i had in adelaide and uh <laughs> really? imp- imported a pia- grand piano from vienna but oh, uh,
0: something drew you to it yeah, okay. was it just the sound or was there other things too
1: no so a couple of things there's the sound of them so but also that they're handcrafted pianos so they're made by people and a few years back when i was in Vienna, uh, I asked to go on a tour of the Bosendorfer factory and got to meet the people who had handcrafted the piano and it was just an amazing experience to go and see people hand polishing pianos and carving out hammers with chisels and connecting strings by hand And there was just so much um, love and experience in that factory and uh, um, yeah a real sense that this piano has been built with a purpose. And being built with hours of knowledge and skill and by experts. Um, and it sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good, that's the other thing. So, yeah. It
0: sounds like it really awakens something in you. Do you recall the day it was delivered?
1: Yeah, I was at work. So, it was flown from Vienna to Melbourne and then driven to Adelaide and assembled, tuned, unassembled, then transported down to Beachport. It got wheeled in on its side and then the legs had to be all reconnected and flipped up onto its top and then the tuner came down and retuned it. And yeah, I just remember sitting there and just uh, just connecting with it. So it, it wasn't like playing a piano, it was just having the opportunity to connect with this instrument. This, this piano was sourced from from spruce in the Viennese uh, forests. You know, maybe there's an atom or two of Mozart or Beethoven in that piano. Maybe some of the carbon that they breathed out has been absorbed into a tree. Yeah, it's definitely a sacred object. Yeah.
0: Do you remember the first time you played it, when it was assembled and in your house?
1: I remember the day, yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: And and what was that feeling like for you when you finally sat down after waiting, knowing where it was from, knowing all the connections, but actually sitting down to connect physically Mm -hmm. and I guess in a sense spiritually with this object? Mm -hmm. What was that like?
1: A feeling of joy. It's it's that same sense of... When I play the ukulele, there's just a sense of being able to um, to be concentrated, to be connected with that instrument, to be connected with music and to to be able to make music. So just to be able to produce music from in your heart. You know, it's it's, it's a sense of your heart flowing into the instrument.
0: Thanks to Chris Waite for his ukulele playing today and for kindly providing the music from his composition That's Where the Light Enters You. Also, huge thanks to Broken Hill artist Amy Volkovsky for kindly providing her track and piano piece from her album Dust Lust, available to buy on Bandcamp. That's it for another episode of Auspicious Plastic. Huge thanks to my guest, or guests, for their time and willingness to share their ideas and stories about the things that they love. And massive thanks also to gifted music composer and musician Jeremy Conlon, a.k.a. Cooper Black, for creating the Auspicious Music theme for this podcast. You can find the full complement of his music online at cooperblack.bandcamp.com. And if you'd like to share your story with me or get in touch, please email me at hello at themeganspencer.com or you can visit my website, themeganspencer.com. And thank you too, Auspicious listener. I'm grateful for your time, attention and feedback. My name's Megan Spencer and you've been listening to Auspicious Plastic. It's a podcast made about precious objects, made with love and dedicated to my mother, Margaret. Until next time.